Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey everybody, welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and we're recording this podcast at spooky night times. And wait, what day is it? Is it a full moon? Wait, it's it's not? It's a waning crescent! Oh god, no, not a waning crescent! I turn into a were-podcaster. I feel the need to talk to you about random anecdotes and HelloFresh, and on today's episode we're talking about werewolves. Where are they? What are they? And is there any truth behind the werewolf legends? Oh. <laughs> Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, does your dog want to eat your face? So, in 1685, the Principality of Anschbach, which is now an area in modern-day Germany, had a bit of a werewolf problem. You see, the townsfolk of Anschbach were once ruled by a despicable mayor, whom everyone hated. And fortunately, nature took its course and the mayor died. Unfortunately, the mayor came back as an undead werewolf. This werewolf terrorized the town, killing livestock, and was even said to devour people. The townsfolk, fed up of this well-fed wolf, gathered in a hunting party along with their faithful dogs and chased the wolf into a well where it was easily killed. To make certain that their ex-mayor turned werewolf could not rise from the grave again, they clothed the wolf in a man's garments, chopped off its nose, and put a human mask on its face. This grisly man-wolf cadaver was then hung on a pole in the town square. 
Now, of course, this wasn't a real werewolf, just a very unfortunate loner wolf who got a little greedy, ate some sheep, and got killed and dressed up by a bunch of angry and upsettingly creative townsfolk. But where does the werewolf story come from? And are there any wolves that match up with the legends? Joining me today to talk about the myth and reality is comedian, human, and definitely not a werewolf, Nick Turner. Yeah, Yang Gang 2020. <laughs> Does that have like a connection to werewolves or? Uh, uh no, I'm just uh, just trying to trying to get him nominated. Right, right. Trying to get him the, de- Oof, the Democratic nomination. I gotta. Well, oh, we'll talk I, about that I later. do not. I have not read the news in a while. I don't want to talk about it. Um, so um, I have some questions. All right, yeah. Shoot. Um, where did they get the human face? The what do you mean? Oh, and the townspeople, yes. the Anschbach? Yes. Uh, it was a mask. It was oh, just like just a, mask. a mask. They didn't oh, like. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was in pretty, my head. One right. of them was like, "Take my face, put it on this guy. <laughs> we need to teach him a lesson." Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't quite that jigsaw nightmare. Just a little bit of jigsaw nightmare. Okay. I also um, I wanted to guess on the spelling of Anschbach. Go for it. Okay. Um, a. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now here's where it gets difficult. Okay. U. No. Nope, okay. H. Nope. No. Oh well, I'm out. Okay. Uh, it's A N S. Okay. B A C H. Now, oh, yeah. full disclosure, I don't speak German. I have no idea if I pronounced that right. <laughs> I was probably spelling it the way right, you pronounced it. Right, right. And I'm sh- if German listeners, you can definitely correct me, but I probably won't bring it up yeah. again. <laughs> I think you're right. So you know. Were- werewolves. Yeah. They're wolves. Get it? <laughs> Anyways. I don't. Uh, oh, boy. This is going to be is, tough. This is going to be rough. I'm a, uh, all right. I, that was my only joke I wrote for this whole episode. So well, already off to a great incredible. start. There are actually werewolves all over the world in different cultures. So uh, in Greek mythology, Zeus turned a wicked man named Lycaon. Lycaon. Probably Lycaon. Lycan. Lycan. Oh, yeah, maybe Lycan. That actually, no, no, you what, you know what? That's probably right. So I mean, he turned a wicked man named Lycan into a wolf. Lycan had tried to serve Zeus a meal made of his own son. So Lycan killed his own son and tried to serve it to Zeus as, I guess, like a bit of like a prank or like, are you really a god? If a you're, prank. Yeah, like if you're a god, you would know that this meal I'm serving you is my dead boy. Hmm. Maybe it would be a prank to serve Zeus's son to him. Yeah. But I don't see it this way. No, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's. it's also got, not a great prank the other way. Yeah. You got punked. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Eat um, that, Zeus. Zeus was not a fan of this stunt, and he turned uh, Lycan into a wolf man creature. And this is where the word lycanthropy comes from. Uh, and lycanthropy is turning the the condition in which you turn into a wolf, I guess. Yes, that is it. Straight from uh, Webster's. <laughs> yes, yes. Straight from WebMD. Um, in Armenian folklore, women who are sinful are cursed to spend seven years in wolf form, and they go out and eat children. Okay, that could be worse. I know, right? Like It's like you're cursed, okay, to be a wolf, right? Then nobody knows it's you because you're a wolf, and then you turn back into a human. Yeah, why don't more people utilize the chain me up once a once a month, at, you know, trick? I mean, that was. Did you ever see that movie, uh, What We Do in the Shadows? Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. they would do. That yeah. I love. I love the attention to detail in yeah. that 
renowned film, What We Do in the Shadows, <laughs> where they, they take turns. Chain. But then what about the, so like there's a group of werewolves who chain themselves up to prevent themselves from like killing people. But what about the last guy? Like how does he, you know, how do they do that? Well, you change your, chain yourself up because can't you do it? You do it like a day earlier, mm-hmm. you know, like you're just a dude. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, it's time to get my Netflix. Can't, yeah. Get my, you know, stack of pizzas here next to my you chain. You chain yourself up and, and then Netflix stops and it's like, are you still watching? And you're like <laughs> halfway <laughs> in real far. You're like, no, I'm still watching. <laughs> my pods can't. Alexa. Oh, no. My ex <laughs> just kicked me off of my Netflix account. <laughs> In Haitian legends, uh, their werewolves are actually called the Jerouges, are similar to zombies or vampires who try to spread their werewolf condition to others, either by kidnapping children or possession. And relatedly, another sort of like, uh, I, I guess, I think this one also works a little bit like a vampire. So in New York, in New Orleans, there's the Rougarou. Um, I want to send out a thanks to a very young listener named Lainey from Memphis who gave me this suggestion. Thank you, Lainey. She's afraid of the Rougarou, but she's fascinated by it, which I think is also how I got into spiders and, and creepy animals. It's like at first it's scary, and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to buy a whole book on it because I want to be scared all the time. <laughs> You know, this thing that could kill me, it's fine now. Well, it's it's empowering. It's like, you know, I'm afraid of spiders being in my bed, which was a real yeah. fear I had as a kid. And it's like, you know what? I want to learn about all the spiders. Give all, give me all the spiders. I'm, I'm just moved to Echo Park mm-hmm. and there are a bunch of black widow spiders yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And on the first day uh, I moved in, someone showed me. A spider. They're mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, yeah, look, I can find one here. And then it took him maybe 10 seconds. A black widow, yeah. Uh, then oh, yeah. there's a black widow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. How is everyone uh, living? I can't. Uh... Well, they can't. They don't typically kill adults. The bite just really, really sucks. It's not, you don't want to get bitten by a black widow. You'll probably yeah. have to go to the hospital because you'll get a big old welt. So um, I won't die. But no. I have, speaking of creatures, mm-hmm. I have. One, I have a little uh, mini poodle mix. Ah. And uh, what about that? What about if a little cheetah gets bit? <gasps> I would say that would be an emergency trip to the vet. I think they seem a lot more menacing than they actually actually are. First it's bad of all, PR. Yeah, they don't. First of all, they don't. They're shy. They don't want to tangle with you. The worst, the the way you get bitten by a black widow is essentially you trap it against your skin and then it uh, reacts in fear. It's not going to like track you down and bite you (laughs) (laughs) okay that's really good to know yeah so the rougarou uh which is a mythical creature in cajun folklore is a kind of it's a big man dog wolf creature that uh and there are a few different versions of the rougarou one will hunt down naughty children so careful laney my my young listener you better be good or else the rougarou will get you i'm just kidding it's fine she, she oh, seems she, like a you're delightful. shaking your head. No, you are serious. <laughs> uh, also, it will hunt down Catholics who don't respect the rules of Lent. Yeah, um, that and... happened to me when I was a kid. <laughs> In other legends, the Rougarou is a bloodsucker, and if you've had your blood sucked by a Rougarou, you'll turn into one as well. So that's sort of the vampire aspect It's weird of it. that the Catholics needed to make something up because they've got the devil. 
and they've got like the wrath of God. Yeah, I, I can't what do you really mean? think of like what is scary. It's like if eternal damnation doesn't scare you, a dog man. <laughs> yeah, what if he's wearing a mask? <laughs> what if he's a big old dog man? <laughs> <laughs> there have been some theories about like why werewolves are so, I guess, ubiquitous throughout all human cultures. We have werewolves here in America. You know, there's a werewolf in London. There's the teen wolf. All sorts of wolves everywhere, all over the world. I'll tell you why. Oh, go for it. I already know. I'm okay. sorry. I'm no, a, I, yeah. We don't even need to do the rest yeah, of the Yeah, all right. Because uh, they're sexy. Yeah, that's true. Who doesn't? The, the manliest, hairiest, yeah. most testosterone Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i been wanting like a sexy heartthrob werewolf for a while. We keep getting vampires, which to me, it's like, oh, give me an anemic looking mm-hmm. guy. It's like, no, give me a guy who is her suit. Yeah, well, isn't that uh, Twilight team? Uh, team not Jacob. Team yeah. Jacob is Jacob that? is yeah. the werewolf bad boy. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the best actor for the, to represent no. werewolves as a whole. Right. I mean, look. I, well, you can't generalize werewolves as a whole. It's... No. Also, Michael J. Fox. I mean, we only know wimpy. Well, Michael J. Fox. Okay, I'm going to come to defense of Michael J. Fox because okay. it's more about I think five it's, foot one. Michael it's J. Fox. Like pre transformation, you can look like whatever, but it's the fortitude, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's if you're a wolf at heart, that's what matters. Because like after the transformation, then you're just like a big old hairy wolf. It doesn't matter what you looked like before. You could be the dweebiest guy sure. as long as you have that intention to kill a bunch of innocent people that's what counts yeah that's what i always say yeah. and the puberty aspect right right yeah, yeah yeah well so there's some other theories not as good as your own um <laughs> thank you so there is a book called it's a, i think it's more of a like journal i'm not really sure it's, it's a short book it's called the book of werewolves it's by sabine baring gould and this was actually Written back in 19... Oh, something. I mean, no one's going to challenge yeah. it, it's uh It's an old book. Uh, and it claims that... Oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, here. I looked sorry, it up. 1906. <laughs> this is a different... Sorry, I, I got confused. So the Book of Werewolves was actually published a long time ago. This was in 1865. Mm. And it says that the werewolf was a way for humans to describe unexplained killings or serial killers. So you've got a serial killer on your hand. And, and before, like, pretty recently, we didn't have this concept of the serial killer. This was before true crime podcasts broke through and, you know. This was during the Civil War, right? And I'm going to so say yes. I don't know any literally anything about history. I am an alien. Worried about someone uh, commenting on uh, the fact that everybody's dying. <laughs> that uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do, th- and we've talked about this on the show before. But I think that monsters that become popular often express the main anxiety of a culture at the time. So. Vampires were super popular back when there was like a lot of consumption, which is like tuberculosis, where like a disease they didn't really know what it was. They didn't know how to stop it. People coughing up blood and suddenly looking like anemic and like they were being drained of their life force. And vampires were really popular because it was like kind of a way to, I guess, conceptualize the fear, give a shape to the fear. The zombie was came about, you know, as we started to worry more about pandemics and Mm -hmm. Like we became more interconnected and then all of these things about like SARS and, and these pandemic fear came into view. And my guess would be that now we're going to have 
monsters that have something to do with climate change. Mm. Although if you look at like the horror movies now, it, it could also have to do with wealth inequality. Like I think Parasite, you know, and uh, yeah. Get Out and, and these these other movies, like horror movies are becoming a way to express, I guess, cultural problems and fears and anxieties and uh, and I think it's but I think it's always been that way I think horror has always been an expression of uh societal fears remember when it was just so simple just someone running out of the woods and grabbing you <laughs> that was it what a beautiful time Man, that so, was a good time so just innocent. when just when the metaphor didn't go beyond like I don't know a wolf man that eat your <laughs> face yeah <laughs> now the bad guy has to be like riding a comet <laughs> Well, so in terms of this theory that it is, that the werewolf is used to explain serial killers, okay, so Lainey, my young listener, maybe you shouldn't listen to this part or, or have your dad listen first and uh, just tell you about it, but uh, I want to Just talk the to- one, huh? And she controls <laughs> All the other kids- your show. Exactly, exactly. I've had to change the whole show so Lainey can <laughs> listen to it. So there was a man named Peter Stump, who was a German farmer who lived in the late 1500s, who was also known as the Werewolf of Bedburg. And he was a serial killer who confessed to killing and eating people, including their hearts. He also claimed to use a magical belt to transform into a wolf, but the belt was never actually found. He was probably just a liar and a murderer, but people were really... What does a belt have to do with it? It's a magical girdle that turns me into a wolf, and you see, that is why I ate all those women's hearts. Interesting. <laughs> it's again... Maybe stop putting that belt on. Again, he's a liar and uh, a murderer. murderer and yeah, serial but pe- killer. But unlike today, where people would be like, uh-huh, yeah, like back then they're like, oh, a belt, you'll say, hmm, we are in... 1500s Germany and we're banning belts (laughs) no more belts (laughs) there's also something known and this is just I don't want to make the connection between this and and crazed cannibalistic murdering but this is as werewolves are used to explain serial killers it's also when you get into the realm of psychology if you are suffering from a, a psychological illness Sometimes cultural fears will be reflected in the mental illness that you have. So clinical lycanthropy is a form of psychosis that involves being in an altered state of mind where you believe you transform into typically a wolf, but it can be other animals. And it, it's a not like, um, you know, this isn't like putting furries on blast here. This is not about, <laughs> this isn't like about a, a fun kind of thing that you do. That's what your old show used to be about. <laughs> Putting furries on blast. No, no, furries are great. But no, this is, it's more that it's like a distressing delusion that you turn into other animals. Um, And uh, there was like, and sometimes it's not wolves. Like there was a 1984 case in which someone thought that they would go through a series of transformations into animals before being finally able to return to their human form. This is kind of related to, we've talked about Cotard delusion, which is the delusion that you don't exist, like either your body is a corpse or you just aren't physically there. And it's it's a interesting thing where our, you know, in our in our brains we have neural networks that basically tell us like you exist and your body is corporeal and like there there's it's constantly reminding me (laughs) Uh, but for some people that gets like a little bit messed up and then you're like okay 
with the Cotard delusion, it's like, okay, I don't exist or my body is decaying. With clinical lycanthropy, it's this, I guess, almost like a dissociation where you think your body is transforming into these animals. And I think it is informed by what you learn from your culture. So if werewolves are a big thing in your culture, you may think I'm a werewolf and have these these delusions that are quite distressing that you are you actually transform into these wolves. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot to take yeah. in. Um, so does that mean that you think that, that that liar from before maybe wasn't lying? Or is... Well, he... So, yeah, I maybe don't know. Maybe he thought he was. Because nobody was, that really turns That's into. true. I mean, it was in the 1500s, so it's like I'm going off of basically zilch mm-hmm. direct evidence. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible for... I, I don't think... I, I want to make it very clear that clinical lycanthropy is not associated with people being violent or anything like that. But it is possible that he had something like that in addition to his... Bath salts that he was smoking. <laughs> right. 1500s bath salts. <laughs> it's just dirt, people. <laughs> um, I just took a bath. That's why you're freaking out. <laughs> and there's another theory about why werewolf legends are so widespread over every culture uh, and also used to explain serial killers or danger. And this was in a short book called The Origin of the Werewolf Superstition, written in 1909 by Carolyn Taylor Stewart. And uh, she argues that early humans would skin wolves and wear their skins, which was like sort of a form of camouflage, and you would go and hunt wolves. And she also contended that People would also wear these wolf skins to, I guess, mess with other groups of people. Like it could be a way to get close to like a rival group without them realizing your people until you're close up. And then suddenly it's not a wolf. It's like a man in wolf's clothing. Uh, and I, I, I mean, this book was written in 1909, not, not to disparage 1909, but again, it's I don't know that there's like a lot of really hard evidence for these theories yet. They're just, um, there could be a deep-seated fear of a human disguised as a wolf or I guess any animal that means to do you harm because maybe like in early humans that would be the case like that. Uh, and and I, I think that could be true. Like, uh, again, this was a, this is an old book. We had a lot of goofy ideas back in the early 1900s. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's a dog man. Dog man, it's yeah. just, no, just oh, uh, get a little closer. Like, or like when you look at, um, there, there are these pictures of these dogs that have quote unquote human faces because they're, <laughs> they're, I guess the proportions of their faces are just a little bit human-like. <laughs> And it's really, it's it's very, like, if you Google it, you can find, like, human face dogs. And it's basically, what is so funny to me about that whole thing is, like, every one of these dogs is like, oh, it's a dog with a human face. It's a dog that just looks like it's got a secret. Yeah. Like, and, and you know that dog's, like, pooped in somebody's shoe. Yeah. And it's like, I got a secret. <laughs> I have a friend that has a dog with a very human face. And it definitely has a secret. And it also has a disturbingly large penis. Oh, and so it's uh, it's very distracting. You barely notice the face. Well, anymore. that's I mean that's I, I think like you pan up from from the bottom of the dog to its face, and that's that's yeah, the, that's, that's, the, that's where the smugness is coming from. <laughs> he doesn't have a secret. He's just letting it out. He knows that it's you like, know. Rocking out with my. <laughs> 
Yep. Right, young listeners. <laughs> That's getting completely ducked, duck bleeped out. The fear of wolves in Spire makes a good amount of sense, but as humans living in modern society, we have little to fear from wolves, as long as you're not Liam Neeson. In North America in the past century, there have only been six people killed by healthy wild wolves, and including captive or rabid wolves, that brings the total only up to 11. So while a fear of wolves doesn't make much sense for modern humans, it's something that comes in handy when managing deer populations. Because humans have pushed wolves out of their habitat, their numbers have declined in North America. This has led to unhealthy booms in deer populations, causing disease, starvation, and damage to the ecosystem where vegetation has no chance to regrow. There have been programs repopulating wolves in North America, and researchers have found that not only do wolves help control the deer population through the sort of obvious method of eating them, it turns out that a deer's fear of wolves is very eco-friendly. When a deer avoids areas where they know wolves are lurking, those areas are spared from their deer appetites, allowing new growth of vegetation to occur. So, in a way, wolves are gardeners, adorable murder gardeners. When we return, we'll talk more about real-life wolf facts, including dire wolves. Calm down, Jon Snow, our budget definitely doesn't allow you to keep your CGI pet. Working out is hard. It's always been hard. Even when it's easy, it's still pretty hard. Bombas socks can't change that, but they can make it more comfortable. So if your resolution is to get fit this year, start by getting socks that can keep up every step of the way. You know, when I'm working out, one of my biggest complaints about socks is that little seam on the toe that digs into my toe and suddenly I'm doubled over in pain as my toe is on fire. But Bombas actually has worked out how to make their socks without that super annoying seam that digs into your toe, which means I can keep on going on my stationary bike and not have to lean over, fall off the bike, and embarrass myself in front of everybody at the gym. Whether you're into sports or planning to get into sports or not into sports, but into sort of just like jogging around in a field and, and dancing like you're in The Sound of Music, Amongst a bunch of flowers, Bombas can help with performance socks in styles made specially for basketball, tennis, running, golf, and probably running around in a field of flowers. They're made with a lightweight polycotton blend, which means no matter how hard you're working, your feet will stay cool, dry, and comfortable, never sweaty. Which, for me, maybe the worst feeling is when your foot is in your shoe and your shoe turns into a pool of your own sweat. Don't like that much. Bombas socks provide support in places you didn't even know you needed, like your arches. Each sock is built with a special arch support system that's supportive but not too tight. Like a nice hug, but on your foot. A foot hug. If you want to feel like your feet are being hugged by a couple of koalas, I would definitely recommend Bombas. I mean, it's not exactly the same as a koala hug because koalas are very farty and smell very bad, and actually Bombas socks make my feet not smell bad, so sorry to say it's not exactly the same as the koala experience, but it's pretty close. So if you want to give your creature feet a treat, 
Go to bombas.com slash creature today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash creature for 20% off. Bombas.com slash creature. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm going to take you on a trip to Imagination Station. Imagine you've moved to L.A. to make it big. Oh, around 20,000 years ago. You see, you're a mastodon with a dream to become the first ever mastodon to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which back then was made out of logs and twigs and stones and stuff. You're practicing your monologue for The Godfather where you play Mastodon Corleone. Is it Corleone? What are you? Corleone. Corleone, okay. You can tell I'm a cultured individual. Corleone. <laughs> Baloney Corleone. That was his nickname. <laughs> You're practicing your monologue for The Godfather where you play Master Don Corleone when suddenly you feel a weird stickiness under your foot. While you were studiously rehearsing your lines, you didn't notice where you were going and your feet are standing in a puddle of strange black tar-like substance. You struggle to get out, but... Every step you take seems to pull you in deeper into this Stygian tar pit. I hate Pleistocene era Mondays, you trumpet in Mastodon language, but as soon as your words leave your trunk, you realize your problems are even greater than slowly sinking into the pit. You realize you're surrounded by dozens of pairs of bright yellow eyes and the soft sound of excited growling. 
20,000 years later, paleontologists drag up a group of fossils from the La Brea tar pits, finding not only parts of the mastodon skeleton, but dozens of dire wolf skulls. So, Nick, you're, 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 you're from L.A., you live in L.A.? I have been to the La Brea tar pits yes. a number of times. I've also paid the money, baby. I have a, a picture I'm very proud of. Of me standing in front of all those dire wolf skulls. Oh, awesome! That is a beautiful wall. It's a it's much a, respect it's to a, our wolf yeah. brethren. It's a big old wall of yeah. wolf skulls. Yeah, it's 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 really awesome. Yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah, the yeah. Pits. So as you know, we have a bunch of these dire wolf skulls. Dire wolves used to roam around the LA area, mm-hmm. and just sitting at coffee shops writing <laughs> scripts. It's, it's it's like a prequel to Godfather, but <laughs> but his name Corleone. But his name is Corleone, and it's before before he became the Don. <laughs> yeah, so direwolves lived from about 125,000 years ago and went extinct around 9,500 years ago, uh, just about when humans appeared in North America. So they were around at the same time of, as humans, but not for long. <laughs> we won that one, too. We did. They hunted much of the megafauna that roamed North America. So that included the large ground sloths that used to be around, mastodons, bison, and an extinct species of horse that was native to North America. So to be clear, the horses that we have now are actually not the native species of horses that used to live here. The current modern-day horses are domesticated Iberian horses, which were brought by Spanish invaders uh, you know, back in our twisted, twisted Spain little history. Yeah. <laughs> so dire wolves were actually, they were more powerful than today's wolves, but they weren't giant compared to them. So the biggest wolves today are the Northwestern wolf, uh, also known as the McKinsey Valley wolf. The average male weighs around 130 pounds, whereas the dire wolf on average weighed around 150 pounds. So they're a little little chunkier. Oh, that's almost as uh, heavy as me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so very could... overweight. <laughs> <laughs> you... No, put it in a puzzle way. You could take on a dire wolf. Uh, yes, I could take on two, maybe three. <laughs> Addition... I'm 450 pounds. <laughs> So they also had fearsome jaws with a bite force greater than any living species of wolves. So they were they were bitey boys mm. and girls. So yeah, like we were saying, you can visit a dire wolf if you live in LA. I mean, it's bones, I guess. Not not alive. Yeah. Yeah, they're bitey, but what else what were their other options? You know, using their well-developed paws to Well, they would actually so so their hunting techniques typically were probably pack structures like wolves are today. And I know it's tempting to think of them as like the Game of Thrones wolves that made these majestic right. leaps and like tore off someone's face, but they would uh, actually leap at uh, the prey item's feet and legs and drag them and pull them sort of like a like dirty fighting where they would like trip them. And then once you're on the ground, that's when the pack descends upon you. Yeah. So they're, they're sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's smart. <laughs> That's like the what are the um the little Ewoks? The little velociraptors in in Ewoks. Jurassic Park 2. Uh the ones uh yeah, the little Oh, like, the little bird-like velociraptors. Yeah. They get, yeah. they get the guy's feet, he falls yeah. down. They yeah, all yeah, go, yeah, oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean velociraptors, yeah, are very Much respect to the technique. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you think about like you think about like back before I mean this was 
dinosaurs were not around at the same time as direwolves, but back before mammals rose to prominence, you would have very similar uh, kinds of animals. So velociraptors, you know, may, and, and these other, I, I also, I'm not great on dinosaurs, so I also don't remember the names of the, the little tiny ones. But yeah, they, they probably hunted as packs as well mm-hmm. and probably employed similar tactics, some of the species. There's actually someone who is trying to resurrect the dire wolf. And uh, this is not Jurassic Park stuff. Like they're not taking a dire wolf skull, finding like a little scrap of DNA meat on it. And well, they should. They should, but yes. they, they're not. People really like that stuff. <laughs> they do love that stuff. But they're actually, this is a dog breeding project. And I want to preface it with, I often kind of take uh, issue with dog breeding. Preach, uh, sister. <laughs> because I think that... Well, first of all, there's obviously sort of the irresponsible breeding where it's like puppy mills or just like, you know, bad breeders who create really unhealthy dogs and really cruel conditions. But beyond that, even in sort of the responsible breeding world, uh, I would say that breeding dogs based on superficial aesthetics kind of creates a... it ignores factors like behavioral health and uh, physical health. And so you get dogs that either have physical health problems or they can also have mental health problems. And that's from you're essentially inbreeding them or even if you're not inbreeding them, you are breeding them based on this superficial quality of aesthetics. And that can have a bad effect on their health. But this project... I, I, I'm I still not completely convinced this is a good idea, but of these sort of like projects that I've read, this is not, not, this seems like if, if you want to do this, this is the way to go about it. Okay. Well, you have prefaced this like <laughs> no other. I'm still going to make some people mad and I apologize. Yes. I'm like already <laughs> out here being like, I have to say it's evil, but okay. <laughs> well, so... The Direwolf Project was started in 1988 by Lewis Schwartz, and she said she was motivated by the fact that people were interested in wolf dogs. And this was like, uh, probably especially after that that movie Balto came out, like people wanted dogs who were like a, a wolf dog because it's, it's rad to have a wolf. Well, we're going to go on adventures in the it, mountains. Exactly. And I mean, like Game of Thrones probably reinvigorated that mm-hmm. want for her. Like, I want a wolf as a pet. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it all the time. Exotic animals are not pets. They never make good pets. Wolves are not pets. They are they are terrible pets. Nobody's going to be happy in that situation. You can't breed a dog with a wolf, have that, that hybrid and be like, oh, this is essentially going to be a dog. Nope, it is not. It is not a good idea. Is it because he's going to kill you? No. Going to kill somebody? Going to kill another dog? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, all of the above could happen. A coyote. Yeah, all of the above could happen. And it's just they wolves are and we'll talk about this a little later that wolves are not just dogs that are untamed. That's not not true. And so people want these wolf dogs but they are so unequipped to have a wolf as a pet even if you have a wolf dog hybrid. It's still going to have that extremely wild element to it and you know not dogs have had hundreds of thousands of years with humans. And it's taken that long for them to do what we say, essentially, without going berserk. And they still sometimes go berserk. Uh, I mean, talk to my dog. She's <laughs> she's a little firecracker. Uh, but yeah, so you so 
instead of having a an actual wolf dog, her goal was to create a dog that looks like a wolf, looks like actually a dire wolf, but is not, you know, made out of wolf parts, I guess. Uh, so she she's bred the, I think it's pronounced Alsa- Al- Alsatian, maybe, American Alsatian. It's intended to not just look like a wolf, but to be a good compa- companion dog. So she says that she prioritizes behavior uh, over the aesthetics of the dog. So I, again, I'm still skeptical of any dog breeding program that is like has some kind of aesthetic goal because I, I think that's, it's just not important to me sure. what a yeah, dog all, looks like. All the most popular dogs on Instagram have horrible medical conditions <laughs> and are dying it, and need to be dragged around. I mean, it's it, it's not too much of an exaggeration. Like, here's an example. I absolutely adore pugs. I think they're adorable. I, I, I love them. They do often have a lot of medical issues. You need a nose, turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. The like that's what I hear. Any any dog without a snout yeah, is gonna have a lot. It's of hard problems. to ha- like having those compact nasal passageways, and and that's not you know again like I love dogs. I love all you know they, they're adorable, and I love them, and the the dogs themselves are not at all to be blamed for this, but. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's Blame, a... Who's blaming the dog? <laughs> I don't know, I, but I don't want anyone to think I am. Get out of this puppy mill. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you Okay, let me get this straight. You turned your, your face yeah. into just a wrinkly raisin with <laughs> no nose. What, what, what were I you I want thinking? to talk to your great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> when you sneeze, your eyeballs pop out. <laughs> really? You thought that was a good idea? Yeah, so I guess she's using uh, German Shepherds, Alaskan Malamutes, the Great Pyrenees, Akitas, and Irish Wolfhounds. And then she's choosing the ones that I guess are the most gentle and nicest and then trying to, I, I, I guess, like create a super friendly, huge wolf. And in terms of the looks of it, it's very convincing. I would not want to mess with that oh, guy. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't know enough about this actual program to say like, oh yeah, like, no, this was a, a good one because like she factored in all the health and stuff. I, I don't know. So I'm still like, again, I, I would never necessarily recommend breeding just for aesthetics, but, uh, I, I do, on the other hand, I do like the idea of like, hey, you know, instead of having these, you know, just a a few of these like ACK like breeds that you keep doing like why don't we diversify the genetic pool of dogs and start like you know allowing you to breed all these dogs like creating mutts essentially so that part is good I, I you know I, I don't know enough about it to say whether what if the AKC just outlawed breeding that would be cool that I, would be pretty cool I don't know if they would do I that I don't think they <laughs> I mean I, I'm coming from the perspective of I've got a little dog who is a mutt of I have no idea what she is Um, she's got some health problems and uh, behavioral problems like her knees are loose is the medical term Mm. and she gets night terrors and uh, which seem to again not you know I don't know maybe she was something in her past like upset her and that's why she has nightmares but I, I also read like that you know, a lot of um, spaniels, which I think she's part spaniel, mm-hmm. that were sort of bred irresponsible in these puppy mills. Like there's like this trend of these dogs getting night terrors. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I just it really breaks my heart because I think that yeah. dogs are so much more valuable than just what they look like. They're 
we've literally almost co-evolved with them Mm -hmm. as our companions. And, you know, I I think maybe they've naturally selected (laughs) who their owners are. (laughs) I mean, there is a theory that they've self-domesticated to be like the ones that are. Well, yeah, the ones that are friendlier, essentially, to humans and less afraid of humans and more friendly and able to communicate better with humans were the ones that humans were like, all right, you can hang out with us. And then they really benefited. I mean, right now, dog, the dog population vastly outnumbers the wild wolf population. So they bet on humans. And that was a pretty good bet because we're basically assholes. You know, I I think it's an it's an interesting project. I I don't I wouldn't say I 100 percent approve, although I do think that uh, one one thing that's interesting is as dogs de-domesticate. So in Russia, you have this huge population of stray wolves or sorry, (laughs) that's not true. (laughs) Stray dogs. dogs, (laughs) The other one is a slightly worse problem (laughs) if that were true. No, no. A bunch of stray dogs. And as they basically go out on their own away from human intervention and and have their own little stray dog families and uh, they become more I would say wolf-like like there there are a few signs of a domesticated dog like patchy fur the ear ears folding down which has to do with sort of the the same genes that seem to select for like a more calm disposition, less aggression, and certainly less fear of humans also seems to be associated with the kind of puppy dog looks, like the foldy ears, the patchy fur, the the shortened muzzle. And these stray dogs in Russia are starting to get back these sort of more like wolf uh, aspects, like their ears are more pointed, their muzzles are getting longer, and they are definitely more fearful of humans and less trusting of humans. Is that, uh, do you think that's because... Uh, the more afraid we are of it, the more terrifying it looks, the more likely it is to survive. No, I actually, I mean, that's a uh, that's an interesting idea, and I, I don't want to dismiss it completely. Cause but! <laughs> but you're wrong and stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, I just have a slightly different theory, which is without human intervention of us basically rewarding the dogs that don't fear us, are friendly, or are less aggressive... Uh, the the breeding selection for these these wild dogs or sorry the stray dogs are different so they mm-hmm. aren't necessarily going to be doing like their their sexual selection process isn't going to be rewarding the ones that are more gentle or less afraid of humans or less aggressive so then it just basically runs whichever way it goes so it's sort yeah. of the opposite of it's like de-domestication it's the opposite direction yeah the the scariest wolf gets all the ladies. <laughs> That is definitely the feminist lesson I want people to learn from this podcast. You hear that, kids? Of which are all your listeners? Great, great. Alpha! you got to be alpha! Again, that whole alpha wolf structure has been debunked, so, um, yeah. (laughs) Are wolves just dogs waiting to be trained? Why don't you go find a wolf and find out? Just kidding, don't do that. Please don't do that. You'll get torn to shreds. While wolves can be tamed, a tamed wolf is certainly not the same as a dog. A wolf raised as a puppy by humans may certainly form a bond with their caretakers and may even tolerate other humans, although they're also likely to fear anyone other than the ones who raised them, and they're more likely to show aggression. However, wolves are much more independent. 
they're happy on their own or with other members of their own species, while research suggests that dogs are extremely jazzed about seeing humans. Brain scan studies show that dogs' brains respond to seeing a familiar human in the same way as they respond to getting a reward. In fact, this is a response dogs don't even have to one of their dog pals, suggesting that they see humans as extra special, or maybe extra special suckers. Another difference is how wolves and dogs regard their working relationship with humans. When presented with a puzzle in which food can be obtained by pulling a rope, tamed wolves are more independent, often trying to solve the puzzle on their own. Sometimes these wolves can and do work with humans, but only after they've given it the old wolf college try. Whereas dogs eye the puzzle, give it a quick try, and then look over at a human, begging for their help far more often and far more pathetically than their wolf counterparts. So who's smarter in this scenario, the wolf that can solve the puzzle on their own, or the dog who's figured out that all they have to do is stare up with those big puppy eyes to get humans to do their bidding? When we return, we'll talk about the myths and legends surrounding dogs, and when that human-dog partnership gets a little too, well, let's say gustatory in nature. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Dogs have been by our side since the very beginnings of human society, either as their wolfish ancestors awaiting table scraps, as our companions, or in our legends. 
Dogs have long been in folklore and myth, but before I delve into the history of dog lore, I want to talk about some modern-day myths about dogs. First of all, your dog's not colorblind. While a dog's perception of color is different than a human, studies have shown that they can see a variety of colors, including shades of yellow and blue. Another myth is that a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. Sadly, no. Dogs' mouths have just as much bacteria as our own mouths, and probably a bit of that good old butthole flavor. While dogs and humans don't always share the same bacteria, we both have around 600 types of bacteria in our pie holes. Another myth is that you should rub your dog's nose in any little accidents they leave around the house. Dogs probably won't make the connection between the little pee spot they've made and your frustration. They'll just get confused and upset, or maybe think you're trying to brag about the thread count of your Persian carpet. Now, we'll talk about some of the mythical legends that surround dogs and what, if any, truth lies behind them. So, Nick, did you grow up owning a dog or did you get in a dog as an adult? You know, I don't think you can ever own a dog. Okay. All right. All right. You can only be roommates. Okay. I I did grow up. (laughs) I've never been shut down so hard. I uh, I did grow up uh, with um, the world's most beautiful beagle. Aw. He looked exactly like the beagle on the Mighty Dog Box. Hmm. He was a stray, um, and uh, and then our neighbors got a beagle because they loved our dog so much, mm-hmm. and he had papers. Oh, okay. And so oh, they right. got a purebred dog, all and right. it sucked so hard. It was like fat. <laughs> it couldn't walk right. It, all the colors oh, were off. Oh, no. And that's what happens when you're breeding. <laughs> You get you, you let you know a couple beagles out in the world to do a little do a little whatever, and then you come out with a beautiful, beautiful, perfect dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin the beagle. Oh, I actually did not grow up with a dog. As I'm su- so sorry. <laughs> well, I grew up as, with cats. I still love cats. This is not this is not like a cat person versus dog person podcast. Um, but I, uh, I, I, as soon as I was an adult uh, and I had my own place, I was like, I need a dog right now. And I got one and I was kind of surprised learning about dogs and how their brains work. I mean, my dog is maybe an outlier because she's kind of insane. We all think our <laughs> dog's the outlier. Um, but she's, um, but just like seeing how intelligent she was and how she can pick up on such subtle cues, it was really surprising to me. And I, I, I learned a lot about dogs and I was surprised by some things like I thought they were colorblind and it turns out, no, they're not. Yeah, I think that it is it's interesting to find out the science behind dogs, uh, but I, I also want to talk about how dogs have insinuated themselves into our folklore and mythology, and interestingly, not always in a positive way. So have you heard of the black dogs of death? Um, I mean, like it was in Harry Potter, I think, like the the Grimm in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and then it turned out it was Harry Potter's uncle, or something. Oh, uh, serious black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like a black. Not blood uncle. Right. Godfather. <laughs> Did yes. you know God spelled da- backwards as dog? <laughs> I didn't. That is very interesting. <laughs> it's all coming together. But yeah, so so uh, the black dog of death is not just a Harry Potter thing. Um, it is a legend in Celtic, British, and Germanic folklore. It's typically a large black dog with glowing eyes who is a portent of death. 
It's got a few fun names it's here. The same with cats. <laughs> so it well, actually, I think cats more in folklore. It was like black cats are like a witch's familiar, or even the transformed state of but a don't witch. Don't they mean something is coming? That's bad. It could, yeah, yeah, like a cat crossing your path yeah. is unlucky. I think in that it's like unlucky. It's an ill omen of like a, a witch nearby or something. But this dog means you're going to die. <laughs> Essentially. There's actually, if you want to check it out, we have a whole episode on black cats called Superstition that uh, goes into sort of the uh, background of, of black cats and how, but then real cat facts, all the cat facts you care to learn about, but this one's dog facts. So okay, let's get yes, back to it. Sorry. Sorry for all you cat <laughs> people out there. Not today. Also, Not today. I'm allergic, so I won't be back for that episode. <laughs> so here are some of the names of the black dog, dog of death, the Barguist, the Grim, the Guy Trash, these sound like Pokemon names as, I, as I'm reading Guy Trash them. sounds like my exes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Roasted. Um, Padfoot, which, again, I think that was like a Harry Potter thing. Mm-hmm. Padfoot yeah. was one of them. Uh, Shag, Striker, or Freybug, which makes so much sense. Uh, thank you, ancient Europeans, for inventing dog Pokemon. Uh <laughs> So in some tales, the black dog actually just kills people directly. Uh, but for the most part, it is a ghostly dog. And when you see it, it is an omen of death or danger. So you'll just see this spooky dog, this shadowy dog, and it'll pop up and he's like, hey, hey, man, you're, you're going to die. But for Later what? days. For what purpose? Does uh, it, can, you, can you then... Change your fate? I, I mean, I think it, again, it varies. Like, maybe you can change your fate. Maybe or it's maybe, just like, get all your ducks in a row, Right, buddy. right. Maybe, though, like, you try to change your fate, and that's what ends up killing you. Oh, that's such a good idea final, for a story. Final destination. <laughs> has, has anyone written that story before? <laughs> oh, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, but sometimes the black dog uh, is benevolent. The Church Grim is a black ghostly dog who protects Christian graveyards from witches, warlocks, and grave robbers, um, which is a fun, heartwarming story until you hear this part. I'm sorry. Mm. Unfortunately, some people thought this meant you should bury a dog as a sacrifice because the the dog spirit will come back as this Church Grim. And I don't understand the logic of that because I feel like the dog would come back and would be pretty... Pretty pissed. A, de- a dead dog or a live dog? Oh, I. why did you have to make me clarify? I think it was sometimes a live dog. Yeah, it seem, yeah. seems like that's how you, that's what you do to appease yeah. a balls of nothing. <laughs> yeah, the dog comes back and it's just like, you know what? I'm pooping on these graves. Yeah, try, hey. try cleaning up these ghostly turds. <laughs> hey, that's not what my sign <laughs> meant. It did not mean kill me. So, um... I actually wonder if this myth of the 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 these dogs of death or like the church grim uh, is because dogs are attracted to the smells of graveyards, like to the smells of probably all that upturned dirt. Maybe a bit of the smell of dead bodies are, are interesting to them, you know, like just in human activity in general. So you're digging up a grave, you got a stinky human corpse, you're putting it in the grave, and a dog's going like, "These are some cool smells," and like come over and hang out. Uh, yeah, they also, they already got to be pretty close to the graveyard before they can smell all that stuff. I mean, dogs have pretty sense, you you think like it is like a shadowy cabal of dogs just waiting 
Yeah. Uh, I don't think my dog's like <laughs> sniffing around and then like, you know, walking 48 blocks mm. to the nearest cemetery. So you think they they were like, they, they, they had some, well. Yeah, they live there. Maybe like one of the dogs like dug real deep and found a bunch of bones and told all of his dog friends like, hey, this is free bones. Yeah. You can get cool bones. I mean, you got to dig real deep. Or, you know, they're just digging a regular grave and then they open up a, you know, a portal to hell. Okay, yeah. And, and then, then hellhounds come yeah. out. Of course, of course, of course. Sir, sure. Speaking of hellhounds, uh, Cerberus is the dog in Greek mythology that guards the underworld and stops souls from leaving. And it's got uh, three heads and it is a dog. I wonder if it's got that a, three is that a butts. Hydra? No, no, no. It's Cerberus. Hydra also has three heads, but it's a different animal. The Greeks were really into, because there's the Hydra. There's, oh, what's the one? There's the, the Hydra is like a, a serpent with three heads. Oh, and I then see. there's the other one that's got like the head of a goat. That That's the chimera. Right, of that, course it would have to be, you know, something that could swim as a Hydra, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Yeah. I, that's wow, not even Latin a joke. Wow, not, Latin not jokes. Wow, Latin jokes. Not even a joke. Okay, Literally right. a question. No, no. So then there's the, um, uh, the, the. The chimera, which is the the head of a goat, the head of like a, a lion, and then also a s- dragon, I think, too. They were really into animals with a bunch of different parts. Just kind of a, ran- you know, click the randomizer button and have an animal with like seven heads and five butts. I don't even know. But the, the <laughs> going oh, that's, back. That's really cool. There's one of each. Three what? heads, different animals. Yeah, yeah. The Camara. Yeah, Camara. There's a very popular uh, like football Chimera, player. Yeah, last name Camara. Oh, I really think he should be utilizing this. Somehow. Yeah, branding. I was famous. Branding. And my name was this cool. Or maybe he's he's a cryptid. Yeah. Mm, in disguise. But the theory is that dogs okay. like <laughs> to scavenge dead things, and so they're associated with death. So a dog. Basically, like like when something dies, and dog, this tracks with like dogs' history. They're scavengers. Wolves are even scavengers. Most animals who are going to eat meat will not look a gift body in the mouth. So they will uh, munch down on them bones if they find a dead body. And dogs are no exception. I know we love them and they, we cherish them and they seem really cute, but they will definitely eat a dead body. No joke. Even the cute ones. Even mine. Even yours. And I want to get to another sort of, this is like, um, I think it's a old wives tale or something or, or like a kind of legendary thing, internet rumor, what have you, uh, which is, do dogs eat their dead owners? And this actually is completely true. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, not invariably. It's not like the dog's got a little watch and, like, is watching you and you keel over and die. And he's like, well, puts on, like, a little bib with, like, a human shape on it. It's like, it's, it's yeah. lunchtime. <laughs> I've fallen out of love with you and now I'm just hungry. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, I think dearly about, departed, dearly delicious. I think about delicious. this a lot. <laughs> um, because my dog uh, does not have much of, uh, doesn't have a very strong jaw. Mm-hmm. And we play a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and he likes to bite play, but mm-hmm. it's very soft. Mm-hmm. He's also got plush toys that he's had since the day we got him. Mm-hmm. He does not bite through anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, can he even do it? You want me to get like I guess once and I start weird? like opening up, it's yeah. Easy. Well, he would probably go for, and this is this is kind of a typical scavenging tactic for the soft 
bits of tissue. So your eyeballs, your tongue, and your lips first. Mm. And the face is usually the first first thing to get munched on. So well, he loves licking mouths mm-hmm. already. So I mean, like in the nightmare scenario of like you you die and your dog goes after you, probably at first, like there. I mean, look, I'm not under. I want him uh, to well, do it. Right, right. Like if it's, it's like you put a free couch to, out. Right, on exactly. You know, like you want sur- someone to take you. Want, you want him to survive too. It's yeah. like you know, hey, yeah. you know, eat, eat eat my dead body. Maybe it'll help you mourn. I mean, dogs do. I do think dogs probably mourn people when they kind of understand that they're gone. I don't know if they understand death, but they will probably be very upset that you're gone and very confused that you're there but not moving and it'd probably be pretty like upset. Three days. But at a set, uh, yeah, like give them a couple days and then they're going to be like, but you know, I think he'd want yeah. me to eat him. <laughs> I need him. Exactly. Yeah. See what, I know, right? Like Donner Party situation, yeah. you do eat the dog and I would not besmirch, begrudge the dogs for doing the same to us. Uh, so, there, uh, there's a case of this where like a whole group of these like small cute dogs ate their owners um, in Saskatoon, Canada. A couple died. Authorities said there was like no foul play. So I guess the dogs didn't murder them is what the police. I, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I don't know how police determine that, but um, the dogs did eat their owners to survive. And here's the happy ending to the story. All the dogs were adopted to new families. Hey, hey. And they did die and were eaten. But uh, <laughs> once you get a taste. And again, the police said there's no connection. No connection, yes. And then the policeman <laughs> took off his hat and it was a dog. <laughs> you know, investigating these murders are rough. <laughs> uh, in fact, dogs eating people has been a fear in our culture for a while. Um in the Bible, in the Bible, um, Bible. in the Bible, um, dogs ate the body of Jezebel after she was thrown out a window. I am not a religious scholar, so I don't really know this story, but that's pretty crazy that it's like, and then they threw her out of the win- window and yay, did dogs eat her face off. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's Everybody loves that. That's uh, Kim Jong-un. Um, you know, supposedly fed his uncle to dogs. I'm always but that skeptical. Was I'm all, always skeptical of like you know crazy North Korean news because I think that like a lot of things are like you know how do you get actually good sources to what happens there? And then I feel like <laughs> I think being skeptical of North Korean yeah. news is a good. Well, good and also because I think our our media is like super eager to be like this just in Korea like replaced all the people with robots mm-hmm. and like everyone has to have the haircut. And I think like a lot of those stories get debunked because it's like. No, like because you know a Korean guy, and he's like, "You're not a robot." <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like like there was a thing where it was like, "Oh, everyone has to wear like the the Kim Jong Un's uh, hairstyle or something," mm-hmm. and that turned out not to be true. I think it's kind of this thing of like it's a little bit icky that whole thing of like, "Ooh, you know, North Korea, it's weird and foreign, and they do weird, crazy things." And I mean, it's true the government is horrible and oppressive, but I also think it's a little. Sometimes our, our media like gets a little out of control with like, ooh, they're they're weird and, and foreign yeah, it's and brainwashed. Our media's fault. <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not like coming to bat for Kim. Show Jong-un. us what you're doing over there. <laughs> we need more information. Wow, so you are a North Korean dictatorship <laughs> I'm, I'm, I apologist. Stand, I stand North Korean dictatorship. Oh, sorry, right? I'm I'm for South Korea. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. Please don't take that out. Can't of believe I can't believe I have to defend this. 
So um, there, it was also said that Romans would have uh, short crucifixes to allow dogs to eat the bodies of recently deceased convicts, which, you know, Romans. I see. Interesting folks they were mm-hmm. with all their torture yeah, they and stuff. <laughs> They had it all, and they yeah. did not do a good job with it. No, yeah, yeah. That that Caligula fellow, he was a mm. he he was a hoot. <laughs> yeah, if only it was just him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Nick, do you have any any questions about dogs? Now that I've brought you on this journey of werewolves and dogs eating your face. Um, I mean, I do. Here's my here's my question. I I moved recently. My dog doesn't have a good way to tell me mm-hmm. that he wants to go outside. I see. My dog, if he wants anything, also my dog is a girl, but mm-hmm. uh, she would uh, just look at me, just look at me, mm-hmm. just be like, hey. Blank stare, yeah. Yeah, what's good? Mm-hmm. Where's my anything? Right. And so then I have to like get, do four or five different things before I find like, what's the one <laughs> Charades, that Charades, like, yes. like ki- two words, like yeah. first word, k- 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 kibble? No, no, yes. kill, kill me? What? <laughs> Oh, and no. eat my body? Oh, God. Oh, no. It's a black dog. Uh, so it is a black dog uh, with glowing eyes. Oh, um, all right. And so uh, how – eventually she figures out – but I just moved, you know, and so it's it's tough now. But eventually she figures out what door she needs to stand next to okay. to go out. But we haven't even gotten there yet. But I want a more sophisticated – more of a sophisticated system. A more sophisticated system. What 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 system do you employ? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, I guess like just make sure you're taking her out um, at least three times a day, like oh, uh, for potty. Way more. Way because, more. Because well, we just moved from a place with a with a backyard. I see. I see. So she would go out. She's wanting uh, to go out maybe twenty eight times a day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so She's getting now, out plenty of times. Now I'll, you know I'll do three in the morning because I know <laughs> she liked three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so no, like I'm great. trying to wean her off like going out yeah. that many times. Yeah. But well, that that's. That's it's good. overboard. Yeah. Any look, I'm like, time to go out. <laughs> well, she's like, I'm I was just gonna go to sleep. I tried to kind of figure this out with my dog, and one thing I did, and this did not turn out good for me, was I hung a little bell by a string by the yeah. door and had her like boop the bell to go outside. That bell was going off every second <laughs> of the whole day, just constant ringing. And then I'd lit her out and she'd come back in and get a drink of water and ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding. My dog has a cool method of letting me know she wants to go outside, which is like uh, pacing around in a little circle anxiously until the anxiety overwhelms me as well. And then I go and have to take her out. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that every dog is going to be different. You seem to have worked out a communication kind of thing with with your dog. I think if you're taking her out 28 times a day. Well, no, it's just like it's one thing when, you know, <laughs> you just have fine. a door to the outside yeah. and you can open it up. Right. And she does every time every time she gets water, every time right. she eats, she wants to go out. Right. You know, it's just like the, all these routines. Right. I mean, again, I, I think that, like, if you're taking her out uh, a few times a day, like, you know, she's probably fine. If you want to take her out, like, when she wants to go out, I think she'll... She'll let you know. Like, like, is your question like, how do you know when it's like a false alarm? Yeah, I just want to know like, what's a good system? You know, what's it's like because yeah. I have heard the bell thing, but I did not hear the part where I've not heard that yet. Where yeah. they just keep keep <laughs> at it. Not all dogs do that, yeah. but mine certainly did. That's fine. That, uh, that has intrigued me. I guess that if you want to create a system where you are having your dog give you a clear communication that she wants to go outside is. You look for some behavior, I guess, that she kind of does naturally, maybe, like yeah. maybe it's sitting by the door, maybe it's like 
you know, moving in a certain way. And then you have her associate that with you taking her out. So if she like sits near the door and you're like, okay, let's go outside. She's gonna be like, huh. And then the second time you do that, she's gonna be like, that's interesting. This yeah. seems to mean he takes me outside. So if you kind of. Yeah, I don't know if the second time would do it. Well, may, it, it might take a few more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you if you keep associating sort of like, you know, she has some gesture that is maybe unique, but mm-hmm. that she it's not that she never does it. And then you start taking her out in response to that gesture. She'll, she'll start it. making it yeah. to get you to take it out. If it's a bell, it could get annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'll just keep raising the right. bell. You got to really right. want it. And if she out. doesn't do like any gesture, you can train her to do something like like have her come up to the door, have her like like paw the door or something, yeah. and then like take her outside so she sees that that's kind of your cue to take her out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, again, like usually you can work out some communication system with your dog. Well, I'm going to spend the time. <laughs> so I want to cap off the episode actually with a sort of update, sort of correction to a episode we did way back uh during the New Year's, uh, the episode called Happy New Fear, we talked to um, the Night Call girls and we talked about a lot of, uh, again, it was sort of similar to this episode, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. It was like mythological creatures, cryptids and stuff. And I talked about the Boobok and... Uh, Babadook. <laughs> the Babadook. No, the Boobok, which is a uh, sort of boogeyman in Czech folklore. And Christina uh, Stefanikova, uh, apologies if I did not get that pronunciation right. I Trust me, I am trying. Um, she is Czech. Uh, she got in touch with me to clarify some things about the bubok. I think in the podcast we talked about how the bubok looked like a scarecrow or skeleton and had a cart pulled by cats, which I found from uh, Wikipedia and an online source, but apparently this is not really the case. And it's also, I think, uh, the Bubak is more of a like boogeyman figure, like in folklore rather than a cryptid where there are like Bubak truthers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to read what she wrote about the Bubak. So she, she said, so the Bubak is used to scare children. They do not have any specific shape or look and therefore Children's imaginations have a free range to either give it a particular shape or just leave it vague and shapeless, shapeless, (laughs) shapeless, which for me honestly ups the spookiness level. They are often thought to live in dark and scary places, dark rooms or cellars. If a child is frightened of some place, it can stay. It can say the reason is because there's a boobok in there. Some adults also like to scare children, telling them a boobok lives somewhere close to where the child is because some adults find scaring children funny. For example, I used to work as a guide for tours through the town vaulted cellars and underground tunnels under the small town where I used to live. When I went down to the tunnels with a group that had children in it, one of the adults usually told the children to be careful because there are boo box in there. While the children got scared, the other adults laughed. I love that so much. I love the just trolling children, <laughs> scaring them with it's, boo box. There's nothing easier than scaring a child. Yeah, or or mystifying it. My dad was a great troll. Like he didn't he didn't typically like scare me, but he would like. He did a dictionary trick where he like got a picture of a, a jackrabbit and an antelope, and then he like waved his hand over the book and then opened it up to the jackalope. And I was convinced my dad was a book magician. <laughs> he knew book magic. 
I remember uh, when I worked at the pool in high school, I found that if you told kids uh, that, that you had called the cops on them, they would uh, stop doing whatever they did. <laughs> so you were a Karen back in high school. <laughs> I didn't call the cops. <laughs> Christina, uh, she has some great information on other Czech mythical creatures. I'll probably cover that in another one of these folklore episodes, which I hope you guys like because I'm, you know, I would say I'm a skeptic. I'm not necessarily thinking that there's boo box or werewolves out there. But I do like the, uh, I, I like exploring sort of the legends and the science behind it and the real animals that I think are sometimes cooler than the actual legends. But you, you sound, un- you, do you think? I say spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let anything else happen. <laughs> spay and neuter your werewolves. Would werewolves have to get spayed or neutered? Yes. Oh, God. That's, yes. Oh, man, I don't want to think it. <laughs> Bob Barker. You're going to have to think about it. <laughs> Bob Barker going like, if you're a werewolf, you know, spay and neuter yourself, Well, please. Drew Carey says it now, too. So, oh, right. So the um, um, funny story. I um, I won a car on The Price is Right today. Really? What? Yeah, today. No. The day we're, the, Are you kidding the, me? The, the day we're uh, recording this. Is an this is auspicious occasion. <laughs> the day you're we're recording me. this. Uh, my episode a... aired. It ha- I did it okay. two months ago. I, I was going to say you had that new cl- car glow about you. But... Yeah, I also it would not be here I guess, <laughs> if I was on the prices right. <laughs> that is, wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That, everyone, uh, if Check you... Check out February 21st episode. Uh, apparently, if you come on the show, you... You get that car energy oh, where you car. want a car. <laughs> that that's what kind of car is it? Uh, it's a Honda nice. uh, HRV LX. I know so much about cars, and I'm very impressed. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I right. had to Google it. No, no, no. I, that was a lie. Oh, I lie sometimes. Very. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Very. Convinced. Perhaps you've been lying to me the whole time. Mm. That's why. Yep. Looked like you hadn't changed. Oh, at this all. isn't a cover up for werewolves. <laughs> Come on. Who even would suggest such a thing? Well, Nick, thank you so thank much you for, for joining me. me. This was really fun. This is good. I know I learned a lot. Great. I'm going to take this Great. into my life. And you're just going to try to train your dog, and I will have given you all yeah. the wrong advice. No, no it's, gonna, it's just going to be bells all day. <laughs> bells, the bells, the bells. <laughs> um, do you have anything to plug? I do. Good. Um, also today started a new podcast at iHeartRadio. <gasps> Ever heard of it? Um, Called Deckheads with uh, super producer Anna yes. Hosnier and I. Yes. Talk uh, about every single episode of the Bravo reality yes. show Below Deck. Yes. Um, I don't know how much crossover there is between a very uh, academic study of werewolves. Well, I don't know either. Lucy's getting loose on a boat. If you think about it as a metaphor for the masks we put up. Wow. And society, well, but the wolves we hide inside or below deck. Well, everyone's got to put down the book at some point and watch <laughs> some trash TV. And uh, you can watch it along with us. We put uh, an episode out every day. It's a lot. It is delightful. Also, I have a, another podcast called Get Rich Nick, where mm. my co-host and I, also named Nick, oh. uh, try a new way to make money quickly every week. The the Nicks are yes. giving you advice. Yes. And this week... Uh, you'll never guess. We're giving you advice on how to make money at the prices right. <laughs> so you're an expert. Yeah, at I it. am an expert. <laughs> Although that is awesome, please do check those shows out. 
I am ex- especially excited about Deckheads. Anna is, of course, a, a wonderful producer yes. here. Uh, and I care for her very much. Yes, ditto. So, yes. Uh, and you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That is F E A T, not F E E T. That is something very different. You can find me on, on the internet as well, at Katie Golden on Twitter. I am also at Pro Bird Rights, where I fight for the rights of birds to be president someday, hopefully. If you're enjoying the show, if you want to subscribe, rate, review, download, that actually like helps me a whole lot, gets up in those algorithms, tells those robots to love us and treat us good. So please do that. Thank you so much for listening. You know what else they should do? What? Unsubscribe and resubscribe. <gasps> if every one of your subscribers unsubscribed and resubscribed, it, it would read... Please? Like you had gotten all those new subscribers. Is That's that true. true. That's true. Is yes. that true? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I maybe do that. Yeah. But then it would also say like you had just had a mass of yes. unsubscription. Yeah, it would be a, it would after, be a very low low. After then, a gentleman named Nick Turner came <laughs> on the podcast, now we everyone, have no more everyone unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the Space Classics for their super wolfy song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. To listen to more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Oh! 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 Yeah, you got it. Oh, oh. Next Wednesday! Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.